Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome you to Porch Talk. This is your host, Alan. We're back toward the green room at Avondale Brewing in Birmingham, Alabama, just before Will Stewart and his world-famous band and Taylor Hollinsworth and the Worthless take the stage. Will was kind enough to give me some of his time. We're going to open up this episode with Sipsy, the opening song from his album, County Seat. Feeling loud It's the only reason why Would you hold 
So I appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for uh, asking me to do it, man. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, man. So just to open up, just to get to know you a little bit, uh, where are you from and what was that like growing up? Yeah, uh, I grew up in Montgomery. Um, you know, born and raised after uh went to high school there. After I graduated, I headed over to Tuscaloosa for college. Um, it was there about five years and then I moved over to Birmingham. Um, you know, but this whole time I've, I've played music since I was, you know, in sixth grade. So How'd always, you get into that? Uh, well, my mom had a guitar, but she didn't really know how to play. It was like someone had give it to her as, as a gift, you know, years ago, even before I was born, but it just kind of sat in the corner and like collected dust. Mm-hmm. But I always looked at it, I was like, wow, this is like some kind of magical thing, which it is in a lot of ways. But at the time, you know, it was just this truly like, what is this? No one here knows how to play it. I don't even know what it's like. I know that you can make sounds out of it. But anyway, that kind of piqued my interest. Uh, and my mom saw that, so she signed me up for, like, guitar lessons, classical mm-hmm. guitar lessons. And when I was in, I got, I went to a magnet school, which is basically like a, you can either choose, choose an academic or an arts track. So I ended up, uh, basically, I had classical guitar lessons every day for three years in junior high school. Nice. So that's how I really got, like, heavy into it. And after that... I quickly kind of realized, even at that age, I was like, man, this is, I'm fairly good at it, and I'm almost to the point even, like, that's all I was thinking about. So I was like, I've, it'd be crazy not to, like, try to pursue this mm-hmm. as so, a craft. Classically trained, uh, did you find it kind of difficult uh, as far as when you started writing your own music to kind of break off from, like, a classically trained mind to being more open to... Well, I guess you, songwriting. Yeah, and that's a good question. It's like, but even by, even when I was still in that training, I had already I was playing. I was into rock music and okay. like, I didn't care about classical stuff. Um, I think it was it's nice because it taught me a really solid found fundamental foundation of technique, but I don't think that's necessary by any means to be a good player mm-hmm. at all. In fact, you might argue the opposite, but it did give me the, a foundation to be able to teach myself further, even if it's like rock stuff. I mean, I knew how to teach myself beyond that mm-hmm. after that, because I didn't take lessons after ninth grade. I was just I learned everything by ear and on my own. Mm-hmm. But I don't. I wouldn't even be able to read music now. You know, I mean, I say classically trained, but I, that's pretty loose because I never got to like a past like an intermediate level. Okay, so, so I've lost a lot of that training, but by the time, even when I was still taking classical lessons, I was like asking my guitar teacher like how to play like Almond Brothers stuff, you know? Yeah. And, and as a matter of fact, I was my class. I convinced my guitar teacher Doug Back, who's a fantastic guitarist. I convinced him. I was like, hey, because we had an end of the year rehearsal every year, mm-hmm. or a recital. Sorry, and um. Uh, I convinced him. I was like, "Hey, Mister Back, I know we're gonna do all the classical stuff, but what? If, what about at the end, we can play a rock song?" He was like, 
okay, but you have to transcribe it and like write it out on like actual music. Uh-huh. So it's more like an academic exercise. I was like, okay, sure. And we played Jessica, that Almond Brothers song. Yeah. And everyone went, went the crowd went wild. You know? yeah. And they, after that, they did it every year. So like, it was like a point of pride for me. It was like, oh yeah, I got Started like something. rock music into the classical program. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that was kind of a ramble. But. Yeah, no. I started playing uh, guitar at 15. I had, uh, my brother was playing mandolin in uh, our high school quartet when, uh, okay, I want to say it was FFA um, put this on the Future Reformers of America, but they had, yeah. like, uh, you know, you could judge livestock, forestry, mm-hmm. and then they also had, like, music stuff that you could do. And it's he like fell, all kinds of, yeah. Yeah, he fell into that. And uh, it got to a point to where I would start just stealing his mandolin. I yeah. was just picking around on it. And then I uh, saw my buddy play a talent show at school. Yeah. I was like, screw mandolin. I'm going to play guitar. <laughs> you know? And you get more girls that way. Yeah, right. I need all the help I can get over here. Same here. And, um, man, my grandmother bought me uh, Alvarez and hooked me up with this guy at DC Music. It doesn't exist anymore in Columbus, but he was trying to classically train me. And I did that for about a month, and I was like, I want to rock. Right. I don't want this. Right. I had to step away from it. And I eventually got hooked up years down the road with a cat named Dennis McKay. And he was just, if you wanted to know theory, he'd teach you. But if you just wanted to rock, he would teach you scales that you needed to know. And then he would teach you songs. Where'd you grow up? In uh, Kennedy. But so, like oh, where Columbus, Mississippi. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I worked. And uh, that was just like my scene growing up. So you were living in Kennedy, but you kind of, you would hang out in Columbus. Yeah. Yeah, how man. far is it from like 30 minutes yeah 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 it wasn't a bad little drive you get down there and you get back to the country in the boondocks it's nice being able to have a to get away like that you know yeah yeah i always enjoyed it growing up and i mean i still do it today right and uh, i like that i find myself the older i get the more i want to be not necessarily isolated but just kind of have my own like kind of out in the country you know mm-hmm. and like just be left alone yeah you know it's like even now I work in Starkville. That's a, a like a fifty minute commute from my house. And all my coworkers is like, You are insane for doing this for over a year and I was like, I don't I don't wanna live here. I don't mind working here. I, I don't I don't wanna live here though. Sometimes that drive is nice though too. Yeah. I mean I don't clear your head. Mhm. Podcast, uh my riding silence, music, whatever. Music, yeah. But uh man, just back to your story. I rambled on here. <laughs> but uh you know, coming out of high school, you mentioned um, going to Tuscaloosa, University yeah. of Alabama. Mm-hmm. What was you wanting to study? Well, I didn't really know at the time. I mean, I was still really naive about a lot of stuff. Um, you know, I wasn't really prepared. I, I definitely, I wouldn't say I was some honor student or anything, but, you know, I somehow got into school there by the skin of my teeth. I, I was more about like, hey, let's, let's party and like play music and stuff. But and I didn't start to take school seriously until I was like a junior, which I'm not too proud of. But I mean, I was I was there for the experience, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big part of school anyway. But um, I ended up getting a communications degree, which I haven't really used at all since then. <laughs> Sorry, mom. But uh, <laughs> you know, Tuscaloosa is weird. I mean. 
I think when I was there, it's not near. It's it's grown grown into like some kind of three headed monster where it's just like unrecognizable from when I was there. Uh-huh. I don't think there's any kind of music scene there to speak of. It's, I think Druid City Brewing and Bo Hicks, uh, those guys are working really hard to bring it back. I was gonna say like that's the only the I played there last year at Druid City. Mm-hmm. And that's the only place. You know, even even Egan's. Which is really sad to say, even Egan's isn't what it used to be. Although, I don't know what's been happening with it since all the COVID stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that was, just, that was always a cool place to go. It's, it's probably been about five, six years, but uh, you, Egan's is just a dive bar if you're unfamiliar. Uh, but you could yeah. you could walk in there on like a Thursday night and you might have this old blues cat in there playing. Oh, man. we That was one of the best places to see bands play, in my opinion. And I'm a huge, I love dive bars. I still do. Um, so I love the whole aesthetic of it. But I remember seeing, you know, the Dexatines on like a Tuesday or something, playing literally on the floor in front of the bathroom. It was like, this is the coolest shit I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, matter of fact, I think the first time I saw the Dexatines, which is one of my favorite, all-time favorite bands, but uh, they were playing at the, the old booth right there. I don't know if you remember that. Mm-mm. It was on the corner of the strip. It's not there anymore. I mean... They've taken away most of all that stuff that was worth a shit. <laughs> Sorry if I... No, that was fine. Four-letter words. You can say there. whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the scene when I was... I mean, I was playing in, like, bar bands and stuff. There. Mm-hmm. You know, mix... We would mix, like, originals, but it was it was really hard. There weren't a lot of venues where they would just let all... You kind of had to throw the audience a bone every now and again. Um... Uh, but that's where I really kind of cut my teeth, you know. Um, but I have mixed feelings about that place now. Um, it's just not the same. I mean, college towns change like that and morph into something. But they do. You know. It just seems like with each year, you know, you get a brand new batch of people coming in, and it, the scene changes once again. And like I said, it's grown into the enrollment. When I was there, it was probably like a little over ten thousand, and mm-hmm. it's like I think it's eclipsed thirty now. You know, I think that's the saving effect. It's the football <laughs> thing definitely had an impact on it. It was like, well, I mean, I want to, you know, this is the greatest team in the nation. You know, mm-hmm. I want to be a part of it, but you know, that's not why I went to school here. Yeah, I think, like you said, man, it's the experience. Uh, just even now, like I got younger cousins who are graduating and asking questions about college. I was like. Um, you would do just fine if you didn't go to school. You just picked up a trade. You'd probably be better. Yeah, because I mean, then you won't have the student debt. But I was like, one thing you're not going to have is the experience. And I was like, most of that tuition money, uh, you may not even use a degree, but you're, what you're doing, if you'll do a good job of it, and if you're introverted, it's going to be hard, is networking. Right. Is meet people. And these are people who are going to set you up in the future, maybe. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the whole part of high school too and every all that it's like learn how to you know meet strangers and make it work mm-hmm. but especially in college because I, I was I'm still a pretty shy person but not nearly what I used to be like deathly shy around new people once I get to know them I would just be like it, it would take me a while to open up but Tuscaloosa kind of helped with that kind of stuff mm-hmm. but gosh I haven't been back and I mean I played that I'll play a gig there maybe like once a year with Bo Mm-hmm. Or at Bo's place, and he's getting a bigger place. I saw that. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm excited about that. 
Because they teamed up with... Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, so, straight to Ale. Straight to Huntsville. Yeah. Bo's great, man. He's like one of these people who's like, he's he's in it for the... He's doing it for the right reasons, you know? Mm-hmm. And he cares about the bands that come through because, like, he's he's a musician. He's played in bands, so he, he gets it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, man. Well, man, uh, fast track it a little bit. Why Birmingham? Yeah. Well, I, honestly, I think my sister lived here when I graduated and it was just the easiest it was out of convenience I think I honestly from I haven't even thought about this in a long time but I tried to apply for some jobs in Nashville because I was like I'm music is really it's always been a driving force in my life now where were you at with your songwriting and bar are you still bar bands or what was that mm-hmm. like during that time the in college yeah just like when you were thinking about Nashville well about halfway through started out just people would ask me to play guitar and and whatever kind of they weren't necessarily my bands mm-hmm. but I just wanted to play and I wasn't really writing songs at that time but I was sing, I was singing a lot though but I, I'd say like when I was a junior or senior I started like writing my own stuff and tried to like hey man would you mind if uh what if we tried to like slip in some originals mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh and at the time, I mean, but it was, I, I, I don't even, I wish I had recordings of some of that early stuff, because I don't even remember what they were, but I'm sure it was awful. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing, you know? And I was such a, I was so green about singing and developing a sound. I was more of a guitar dude. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to, like, learn, you know, the craziest solos and like I wanted to be like a guitar god kind of guy now I'm like I just want to write good songs like write it sing a good melody I don't care about playing mm-hmm. some crazy solo yeah although I still love to do that but more it's more like measured but I'd say learning covers it helps you as a songwriter though because you, you you can deconstruct a song so as a learning tool and like helping you grow and like you pick apart things of all these songs these classic songs that you like and you can kind of use them in Mm -hmm. a way you know so I think in that way it helped me grow a lot Uh, because I was still learning you know it wasn't until I was like it was like 20 2009 where I first started recording my own stuff that's and even looking back on that so I was like that's it sucked (laughs) So it's like, I always, I'm always like, I've got, I can always be better and grow. So that's, I'm never satisfied. Yeah. So, but that was kind of a long-winded answer to what you're talking about with the cover stuff, but, or the bar band stuff. Oh, no. Man. But I continue, even when I moved to Birmingham, I continue to play bar band type stuff. And then eventually, when I felt like I was, and I just remember being like really scared to like show people my, my own stuff. I was a very confident player and singer, but it was always other people's stuff, mostly. Mm-hmm. But I think when I honed my skills just purely um, from a technical standpoint, then I was like, okay, I'm going to try to start writing my own stuff, because I feel confident that I have the foundation and the skills, really. Not to fast track too far ahead, uh, we can take a couple steps back, but while we're on that train of thought is, so what was it like? with Cornelius Chapel and some of the guys from the Dexatines and then being signed to the label that 
was founded by those guys. Yeah, I mean, like I said, just I and Wes is a really close friend of mine now. He's like kind of like a big brother to me um, in a lot of ways, and they've been awesome, you know. But if you had told me like years ago, like man, you're gonna be on one day, you're gonna be on the same label as the Dex team, like shut the fuck up, no way. <laughs> so in that sense, it's like, wow, man, it's like, you know, check that off the list, like, I did that, yeah. you know, so I'm very grateful to be a part of it, you yeah. know, uh, very, I feel very lucky, you know, and I try to not take stuff like this for granted, because it's easy once you're, you know, do it for a year or two, I'm like, oh, yeah, whatever, but it's like, no, nah, like, I'm very thankful to be part of it. Yeah, man. And they're all, and what, there's good people, too. You know, there's nothing, no one has any cards up their sleeves. They're in it for the right reasons. You know, it's not some kind of slimy music industry things going on. They just like, it's all about the music. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want to be a part of. Yeah. What was, uh, what was that like uh, when it first started happening? Well, so, you know, primarily record with Les Newby. I don't know, have you ever met him? Mm, that's about well Studios, right? No, it's it's in... Oh, well, where it's that's that's basically you know the old elegante is basically the studio but wes's office is upstairs uh-huh. and um but that's how i really got to know wes because Les newbie um he's kind of a legendary like birmingham guy but he's a he's also a mentor to me but he played in a band called verbena for years they, they were a pretty big deal um they're on Capitol records Dave Grohl produced one of their records, you know, all this kind of, they were on the cusp of like really, and in a lot of ways they still have a big following, but, you know, I wouldn't say they ever got like Foo Fighters level or anything, but like they were on that kind of track. But anyway, I don't, you know, that's not to say that what they did wasn't to that level, because to me it's just as good as anything that was big that came out Mm -hmm. back then. Anyway, Les is great. But later on down the line, and Les was a drummer in Verbena, and it's Scott Bondi was in that too. A. A. Bondi, you'd dig it if you like kind of roots kind of music. But anyway, fast forward years later in Birmingham, he and Wes started a band called uh, Vulture Whale. Yeah, which is you know some yeah, of the just, old. I just had uh, Jake on. Jake was the drummer, so Les was guitar, Wes was the principal songwriter and vocalist and uh, rhythm guitarist. And uh, a guy named Keelan Parrish was on bass who plays with Sarah Lankford now, who I'm also in Sarah's band. Yeah. So it's all kind of incestuous, but anyway, where was I going to? Oh, um, but anyway, I've been recording with Les for over 10 years. And that's how I met Wes and Jake because they had an office upstairs at the time and they later I don't think Wes came on to Cornelius Chapel until after because first it was Elliot Mm -hmm. and Scott I think it was just them Mm -hmm. and then Wes was like hey man he came on board and kind of took the reins that's where I I recorded County Seat with Les back in like 2017 Hmm. that's a good record thank you um, and it just, it came together really fast. I wasn't really planning on, I don't even know what I was going to do with it, but I remember we both, I remember talking to Les, I was like, man, I feel really good about this. Like, 
what should I do with it? I didn't, I'm so green about all this stuff. You know, I don't know any labels to send it to. And he's like, man, Wes is doing a lot of stuff with CCR now. Um, you know, he might dig it. And I was like, really? You think? I mean, I was still so insecure about my all my stuff. I was like, man, if you can let him listen to it, that'd be awesome. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And he listened to it and liked it. And like a week later, I hopped on the phone when he was like, man, we'd love to put it out. And I was like, wow, really? Thank you. I was like, dude, look, done. It was no like, you know, some of these people are like, well, let me, uh, give me like a week to think about. I was like, uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, immediate. (laughs) So it it just, again, I feel grateful to be part of it. And they've been soup, they've been like family to me, you know. And, you know, I just, I've got an album that I just recorded when you were in town. Remember, I was recording there. Yeah. Like, that was where I was recording. Yeah, uh, we were right so above you when y'all were doing. Y'all that. were upstairs. Yeah, yeah, yep. that was that was us recording. I don't know if you could hear it, but mm, yeah, just just faint. It's like rumbles. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, I mean, we got if if all things go according to plan, I've got like a new album in the can that we just recorded with Les. Great. But I can get long winded with this stuff. But anyway, that was how the the Cornelius Chapel thing kind of happened. Yeah. Via Les, mostly Les helped me get in touch with Wes about it. Mm-hmm. Now, just to walk us a little bit up today, you mentioned County Seat. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, there's a record that's come after that, and you say you just recorded one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I put out that, that EP back in April, way gone. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, just, I mean, you have Sarah Lee Langford, The Blips, uh, yeah. and other projects. Janet um, Simpson, who's playing with me tonight, mm-hmm. who did all the... She sang harmonies on County Seat. Um, also put we also put a record out in a band called Timber that's on Cornelius Chapel. I have trouble saying it sometimes, but check that one out too. I, I should have brought you a damn copy. Um, I'll get you one though. Okay. Um, and I, if you don't have a copy of County Seat, I'll give you one before you leave tonight. Um, but anyway, Janet just recorded a solo album. She's my bandmate. Um, in that band Timber but she also plays live with me from my solo band but she's putting a record out on Cornelius Chapel in like April mm-hmm. and I play on that whole record so I'm just I'm really lucky to be able to play with all these badass bands you know but I'm the, the, everyone knows that I'm so down to like I don't have, I don't have kids and like I'm just like hey let's play whenever I'm not saying that people with kids can't play yeah, but just life is people different. know that like I have like I'm ready to play whenever. Yeah. So I rarely ever turn anything down if I can do it, you know. So, but at the same time, sometimes I get overextended with commitments. Mm-hmm. But if I can swing it, man, I'll, I'm gonna play. You know. I wanted to ask you this. I, I spent some years down in Mobile. How did that scene open up to you? I got to meet. Um, JT down at Callahan's. Yeah, that's a hell of a venue. Who's one of my all-time favorite people, and I love that place so much. Uh huh. Um, I need to holler at him when I'm down there on Friday. But uh, you know, the Great Peacock, that band out of Nashville. That it comes up on the show a lot. I've never listened to them, but it's it's just kind of a household name. Yeah, they've been around for a while. I lived in Nashville twenty twenty twelve to twenty sixteen. 
and that's where I met those guys. Yeah, whenever I hear the great peacock, I think the psychedelic peacocks, you know, uh, Abe's oh, right, band. Yeah. yeah. I guess but just like peas now, but. I got to meet those guys because a guy I used to play drums with started playing drums for them. Yeah. And uh, they would play down at Callahan's all the time, and I was, I was in another band in Nashville, and I was basically like, hey, can you help me get in? get in down there because it looks badass mm-hmm. and it was JT's done a really great service to a lot of bands um, in making that like a, a stop for like part of the circuit you know because mm-hmm. before that maybe you could play like the Soul Kitchen but it was like big kind of bigger venues but he made it to where it's like someone like me could go down there and like make good money create a following and even put you up if you needed a place he would always put us in a hotel we were, he would treat you like kings, and we were like, for someone like me, it was like, wow, I'm used to playing at the Nick for like 20 bucks. Yeah. You know, and like two Miller Lights. <laughs> and this dude's like, you know, paying us legit money, feeding us open bar. I mean, we would get hammered mm-hmm. um, and just have a ball, you know, and then go back to, uh... come on through. Yeah, y'all, y'all <laughs> good. But anyway, that's how I met JT. Okay. Um, one of my all-time favorite people. I love that guy. What about Abe? How did you meet him? So last Same summer, strain, Callahan's or no? This this was awesome. Uh, do you know Jerry Joseph? I don't. He's along. He's just been around probably like thirty years. Awesome, amazing songwriter. He wrote a bunch of songs that became really big hits for Widespread Panic. Oh, so he got kind of catapulted into that world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that song Climb to Safety yes that he wrote that oh okay so he's a fantastic song anyway long story short Jerry was playing a show at the Nick with Daniel Hutchins from Bloodkin a like Seminole Athens Georgia band mm-hmm. anyway they're all kind of part of that widespread family I'm not I wouldn't say I'm like hyper connected with that but I've known Jerry I've followed Jerry for a long time so I saw he was playing coming through the Nick and I called Roberta, the lady that books at the Nick. I was like, "Hey, you know, it'd be awesome. I, could I open for Jerry and Daniel? I just, I don't care about money. I just want to play for them." And she's like, "Sure, yeah." I, just, I did a solo set, and luckily they were there actually watching. A lot of times you'll open for someone, they'll be on like you know smoking weed in their van or something. Right. But he, they were like sat there and intently watched. And after the show, Jerry like he was like, "Man, I love your, I love your music." We should do some shows. And I just chalked it up to, like, drunk talk. He wasn't drunk. He's sober. But, you know, just, like, chatter. Yeah. Because um, that happens a lot, you yeah. know. And I was like, man, say the word. And, like, we exchanged numbers. And I didn't think anything else about it. But sure enough, and that was back in, like, 2018. Sure enough, like, six or seven months later, he called me. He was like, hey, man, uh, I do this festival out and he lives out in Portland he's like I do this festival out in Oregon in the middle of the damn woods it's called Dixie Mattress Festival man I need some more people to play on it like solo mm-hmm. and I was like dude I'll be there so so in addition to that we booked uh, about 10 days after that down California through Arizona New Mexico and Texas and lo and behold Abe he invited Abe out because he did a show with Abe 
and liked Abe's stuff too and asked Abe to do it. So me, Abe, and Jerry did a, we all played solo. We did a t- 10 day tour together last, about this time last year. Is this a trip that Abe took his son with him? Yeah. On? The, the homeless folks out there are very aggressive. Uh-huh. Almost to the point where it's like, whoa, like I don't feel safe. You know, it's like, I, do I need like a damn switchblade on me or something? It was that kind of thing. But I never felt like uh, to the point where I'm like, I'm in danger. But it was like kind of unsettling. Mm-hmm. But I do remember Abe coming in. He was like, man, I can't wait to get out of this fucking place. <laughs> that sounds kind of just like it, man. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what? What's wrong? I was like, he was like, oh, I just. I, I just hate this place. I hate it. It's like, well, we'll be done soon. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> but I, man, his son's awesome, and uh, I do remember we had a we played in right in the middle of Hollywood on Hollywood Boulevard. The, the gig kind of sucked because no one was there, but me and Abe and his son walked around Hollywood Boulevard for like an hour and a half just like cutting up you know yeah. it was awesome checking everything out I made him take a picture of me like in front of the Scientology building and like just we were just having fun yeah but I just remember thinking I was like man what a cool experience I think you know he was like 14 at the time like mm-hmm. to be on that tour I was like I never had an opportunity to do anything like that you know so it was cool that they got to do that together yeah yeah, man, uh, just a little bit about this show and then the upcoming show in Mobile. Is, I heard about the Mobile show for this one. Oh, right, right. And yeah, I, I knew Abe, and I had been listening to your music for some time, and I was like, That's, I don't mind taking a trip down to Mobile. It would be good to see everybody. And I was like, I'll catch that show. Yeah. And then I saw this show, and I was like, well, same thing. I was like, I know Taylor and Birmingham's a whole lot closer. Two birds with one stone. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you made it down, man. I'm having fun talking. Yeah, man. But... Um, yeah, just to button up the Abe thing, man, I have nothing but respect for him. He's, like, the real deal. He's the truth. He is, man, and it's like, he ain't here to do any kind of bullshit pose or anything. Like, he wants, it's all about music and trying to find, you know, that transcendence. But he's a heavy dude, you know, like, he's an intense guy. And I got to have some really heavy conversations with him about his, you know, about religion and you know all these heavy topics but I, I like talking about that stuff and but to me he's like I do too man. he's kind of like a spiritual advisor like he knows he's been to the circus and back you know like, yeah and just recently his work his little book that he made on the, the snake handlers right right and uh that, that's another interesting thread with us too because didn't you write a song about that yeah so S- sand, snake mountain or S- sand hill mountain or? well the song's called brush arbor but it's I wrote it based on a book. It's called Salvation on Sand Mountain. That's which, the one. Yeah. If you haven't read it, I couldn't recommend it more. But uh, I told Abe would always be like, hey, man, I just really love this. He was always very complimentary of the record, but he was like, hey, I just really love that song, Brush Harbor, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I figured you might be, like, you might be kind of attracted to that one in particular because of the con- lyrical content. But uh, I was like, man... You've got to read this book, Salvation on the Sand Mountain. Like, I, you'll love it. Because I knew his, his whole story. He was like one degree away from being like a snake handling preacher, basically. Mm-hmm. Or so so he's told me. Yeah, and, and like he, what was crazy is in Kentucky, he met like the snake handling preacher. He went up there preacher. to meet him. Yeah. But 
I'm not saying that's the only reason, but I told him about that book. He he texted me and was like, I just got it in the mail, man. I'm, I can't wait. I was like, please let me know what you think and we can talk about it. He called me like maybe it was like a day or two later. Like, I'm sure he read it like lightning fast, but he was like, I could, it's incredible. He was like, I'm looking online right now to buy, buy as many books as I can about that culture. Mm-hmm. So, but he's gone like head first into. I've just kind of dabbled in it, but he so told he, me he wrote. He's do. He's doing. Wants to do like an album based on all these pre, different preachers. I was like, dude, you gotta let me play on it. But he's just gone like head first into. I love it. Yeah, but that's man. how Abe is. You know, he's yeah. just like he gets excited about something and he's gonna just kind of like. He's develop. on it. Yeah. Like I, I was down there uh, July fourth. Um, went over there to hang out for a bit, and he had just finished the book and he was showing me some of the art and like what it was going to look like when it's out and mm-hmm. I mean like you said I'm yeah oh we, it's we, like a book yeah that he wants to do yeah, yeah it's 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 ready I don't know when it's going to be out you know for public consumption but but uh, he sent me all these like but he's got you know he painted the pasture handling the snake and then there's the story I mean if if anyone can pull something like that off it's it's a <laughs> You know, yeah. I could try to do it, but it probably wouldn't come across as authentic as Abe's. I'm like, I'm just glad that he got into all that stuff. Yeah, but it was, that's his thing. Yeah, you, know? you know, it was like an hour, hour and a half conversation. We were talking about that. You know, like oh, you man, said, yeah. Abe is a it's a hell of a conversation uh, when you get to talking to him about if he gets going. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but he's a hell of a dude, and I'm I'm glad to know him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, you know, before and before, you know corona and all this bullshit he we were supposed to do like a week tour together from mobile up to huntsville and back but at least we're doing we came back around and we're doing these shows yeah. so it's gonna be fun yeah man well just to talk a little bit about today and if there's anything that we skipped um i just want to spend some time with what you what you got going on today just um about your solo work and the other projects that you're in and then we'll walk it out the door okay um well, you know, I put that, that EP out back in April, way gone. I was really happy with it. I was, I knew I wanted to release something, but I was trying to, I was like, is this the right time to release something? Everyone's, the world is just upside down. Who has time to even care about this? Yeah. You know, they're like worried about buying groceries and shit. <coughs> so anyway... I got to a point where I'm like, okay, this is a good time. It's settled down to the point where, like, we know the world's not going to collapse. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, um, maybe people need, it, even if if just for five minutes, like, maybe this can help someone in a little, you know. That's the way I was thinking. Anyway, I put it out. I was really happy with it. But in the meantime, you know, we've got the blip. <coughs> we've got a record in the can that's supposed to come out. February, like, right? Yes, February, March, or April, I can't remember. The Super Group of Birmingham. <laughs> I'm really happy with the way that came together, and uh, it sucked because we we got to play a show that Saturday before, or maybe it was a Friday before. All the shit hit. They shut it, literally shut it, everything down on that Monday. Mm-hmm. Well, I, we didn't, we went into it where it was like, it was kind of iffy, and like just nobody, it was very tense. Because you're hearing all this stuff. Mm-hmm. The West Coast and East Coast had already basically shut down. Right. And it was filtering down here. Yeah. So it was tense and like everyone was kind of scared. 
things had already started canceling and I I got it but it was like I fully expected to get a call from Dan up at seasick and was like hey man we can't do it however it happened I'm glad it did that was the last show that I, that was the last show I played you know before this one wow because I mean we just after that I was just like you can't play mm-hmm. you know um, but I'm glad we, all that being said I'm really glad we got to do it yeah man I think it was like maybe a month ago just a little bit of that footage got released from Seasick yeah. I was fucking green with envy because I was like I've been following this shit and I was like, yeah. I know they didn't fucking play a show and I didn't know about it was that the, my live stream I don't I that was probably the one that we did I don't, there wasn't an audience there but right. we did it we did it from Seasick yeah that was under like Will Stewart band or whatever yeah I don't, I don't remember how I saw it, but I was like... I, I think that was that was the footage. I was like, I'm green with fucking envy right now. What the <laughs> hell is going on with you? But we're scheduled to play a show... I mean, it's in April. But we, I was talking to Taylor earlier. I was like, man, let's try to... Maybe we could get a gig up here. Yeah, I mean, then y'all just dropped a little video, a little teaser. Yeah, I think we're going <coughs> to release another single, like, in the next few months. But I'm stoked. I'm damn proud of that record and it came together so quick mm-hmm. but that was one of those those things I've been talking to Taylor for two years like man we should do a little side project or something because we are all just have nothing but respect for, I mean mutual respect mm-hmm. and I've, I've been a fan of Taylor for like 12 years like diehard fan but anyway we finally you know I sent a text out to and Eric Wallace is one of my close friends too and he used to play with Lee Baines in the Glory Fires mm-hmm. but he had to kind of step away from that um, but anyway I was talking to those three and I was like who can we get to play bass and he was like Chris McCauley like no doubt and he played he's, he used to play with this Birmingham band called Holy Youth they're kind of like kind of punk man mm-hmm. fucking badass and then Wes McDonald was on drums so it's like and I threw that out. I was like Wes we gotta get Wes he's the, he's one of the best drummers I know and I sent a text out to everyone I was like well lo and behold we fucked around and made a Birmingham super group <laughs> yeah so it, that, it really came together that quickly you know, and, and like, not to mention just you got two members from like what the original Dexatines too right oh, uh, oh yeah uh, well Taylor Taylor played with them, but he wasn't an original member. Oh, but you could yeah. you could argue him. He's like he's a member of the Dex Teens. He played with them on their last tour, I think. Mm-hmm. But Brian, the Dex Teens drummer, plays with Sarah Langford. Yeah. So I do get to play More with them. More of that incestuous stuff, right? Yeah, it is kind of like that, but it's kind of like a big family, which is cool. Yeah, because everyone's got each other's backs, you know. And not, I don't want it to be this thing where it's like people think it's like a click or something because it's really not like come on and jam anytime you want you know what I mean yeah. it's like it's not like that hop in yeah but it is very like familial you know but anyway so I'm stoked about that and um like I said I've got my forthcoming album if it gets mixed properly and I'm happy with it but I'll probably nitpick it to death like I always do <laughs> So hopefully maybe in like early spring that'll happen. Um, Janet Simpson's album is coming out in spring. I'm on that. Um, the blips in the spring. 
hopefully by that time we can actually play tour and play shows again. Mm-hmm. But for now, we'll just do local stuff. But that's kind of... I kind of have to take things like three, four months at a time, you know? Yeah. But I'm just happy to be busy, especially now. Because honestly, when all this shutdown first started, I was like, man, are we ever going to be able to fucking play a show again? I mean, we were, there were so much unknowns about it. Mm-hmm. But I feel a lot better about it now. Yeah. It's like, ah, outside shows are fun, you know. Just be smart about it, and we can move forward. There's a way to do it. Yeah. You know? Cool, man. Anything else to add or subtract? I think we cover a lot of ground, man. All right. Uh, ways to get your music and uh, social media. Okay. Uh, I'm on... Sometimes I'm bad about the social stuff, but uh, I'm on Instagram at WH Stewart. Facebook is just Will Stewart. You can find the page. Uh, Twitter, but I don't really post on there that much. But uh, my website is pretty current, but it's willstewartmusic.com. Um, all there's links on my website to all if you want vinyl, CDs, downloads, shirts, whatever. It will send you directly to the the Cornelius Chapel label site, and you can buy everything off that. Mm. Also, on Bandcamp, and there's vinyl links to all that too so that's kind of the main the bulk of it I think uh-huh. I'm bad about stuff like that well cool man man I can't thank you enough for letting me be part of this this is awesome yeah man let's hang out down the line too yes sir can do well Will thank you so much thanks man easy enough news and notes thank you so much for listening to Porch Talk if you haven't done so already I would ask that you would rate and review the podcast on whatever app it is that you listen to on, thank you in advance. I don't understand the algorithms. We have a website, www.porch-talk.net. Porch-talk.net. One more time. There you go. Going to walk it on out the door here with uh, County Seat one more time. Track three, Brush Arbor. Peace out, guys.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.